0: Tucson's only local morning sports talk show. The Jeff Dean Show
1: starts now. Welcome back to our number two of today's edition of the Jeff Dean Show. A Monday edition is Reaction Monday, Overreaction Monday, as we like to call them in the business. (laughs) Because, yeah, there are a lot of overreactions, specifically during the football season. Whether you're joining us here on the AM side at 1490, on the FM side at 104.9, if you're choosing to tune in via the live stream on ESPNTucson.com, or if you're checking us out on the podcast available wherever you get your podcasts, whether it be Audible or Amazon or Apple, Stitcher, tune in. we do appreciate you checking us out here as we are Tucson's only local morning sports talk show every weekday from 7 to 9. Just trying to have a good time, talking some sports, and look. We're kind of getting into my wheelhouse here. As we get closer to football and basketball season, getting into my wheelhouse. Because not only do I love and just have a, 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 just an overall adoration for both college and pro football, but my love for college basketball is equally as intense. And all three of those seasons are approaching us rapidly. I saw today, what are we, like 60 days or something like that from, from college basketball? Holy smokes! The red blue game is going to be on October second. Going to kick off the season there for uh, Tommy Lloyd and the Wildcats. So we're getting kind of right into my wheelhouse. This is when things get really exciting around here, and we're going to have a, we're going to have a lineup of guests for you guys um, to talk about some things we're going to be doing. We're going to talk a lot. Of, we're going to focus a lot on, on Cardinals football. I'm not, not going to lie. Look, they're the home team. Okay, it's the Arizona Cardinals, I guess, and and uh, we like to make sure that we have plenty of coverage for the Cardinals. Not a whole lot to discuss over the weekend from what we saw from the Cardinals. It was kind of what we expected when we spoke with uh, when we spoke with Tyler Drake last week about the about the Arizona Cardinals. He mentioned Rondell Moore, the rookie out of Purdue, and he is a, a talking point across the country right now because he did have an extremely nice game over the weekend in preseason week number one. Showed out, looked good. Again, let's pump the brakes on a lot of the things that we see in the in the preseason needs to be proven when we see it um in the regular season. I know somebody I think on the on the lead-in show before us uh, before my show here on on ESPN National, one of the callers had called up and said Rondell Moore is going to be the the uh offensive rookie of the year in the NFL. I did not look uh, so I don't have confirmation on this. I can't remember the last time a wide receiver won a offensive rookie of the year award. It's it seems like it's been a while and it seems like wide receiver rookies don't have that big of an impact um like on the game in their first their first season because the the, the process of winning you know or, or getting into the NFL as as part of a uh as as a, as a wide receiver the, the growth is always a, a, like a lot steeper, essentially. It's a, it's a much steeper curve for wide receivers than it is for a lot of the other positions for, for some reason. I mean, uh, okay, just looking here. Odell Beckham Jr. was the Offensive Rookie of the Year in 2014. Outside of that, Percy Harvin in 2009. Anquan Bolden in 2003, okay, going way back. I shouldn't say way back, but it seems like it's way back for me. Uh, and that's about it. Everything else is quarterbacks and running backs, um, basically. So it doesn't happen very often. Y- yes, Rondell Moore is a nice player, and he's, he's shown in the preseason that he's done well. and He's shown in practice that he's done well. And a lot of people are saying, well, with A.J. Green and DeAndre Hopkins being you know wide receivers one and two, Rondell Moore is going to get a lot of catches. Yeah, it's possible. I also think that he's just going to – the lion's share of the throws are going to go to – Andre Hopkins into A.J. Green because they're just, they're better. They're better getting open. They're a big target. Rondell Moore's 5'7". Like, <laughs> players like that, unless you're Wes Welker catching a ball from Tom Brady, those players don't get a whole lot of wealth in the, uh, in the NFL. Again, I'm not trying to take anything away from them. I'm just, if you're, if you're going to go down to Vegas and drop 100 bucks on Rondell Moore uh, winning the Rookie of the Year, you might as well just give me your 100 bucks. That's what I'm saying. So let's take a look at NFL preseason week number one. Rookie quarterbacks were on showcase over the weekend. We'll start at the top. Trevor Lawrence, the number one overall pick. We, we you know, we, he's been talked about, and I, I, I even said this on, you know, on the radio show before, and even back in the day when I was on a different show. If you could have drafted him as a freshman, if if that would be allowed. If the NFL would allow players to be drafted, he would have been the number one overall pick out after his freshman season. He just, he's been that guy. He's been the number one NFL draft pick for three years. We've all known it. We knew it was coming. And it wasn't exactly a great performance by Trevor Lawrence. First, first play, drops back and gets sacked. Look, he plays for a crappy team. The Jaguars suck. There's a reason why they had the number one overall pick they don't have a whole lot of talent on that team. You ever wonder I was thinking about this as I was watching watching the game, I was watching the replay and I just specifically just went right to to Trevor Lawrence and watched his uh watched his series that he had. And there's a common denominator every single year. And I've been watching preseason football for a long time, many many years. There's a common denominator amongst all these teams. The quarterbacks always get killed. Like they, they just, the number one draft pick always gets murdered in the backfield. There's sacks galore because the team sucks. Why does the team suck? Because their offensive line sucks. <laughs> there's, there's a reason. There's, a, there's always a common thread amongst the, the number one overall pick. When you look at why a team was bad, you know, they didn't have a whole lot of talent, they didn't catch a whole lot of balls, they were the worst-scoring offense in the league, their defense was terrible, their offensive line sucks. That's always the common denominator. Peyton Manning going to the Colts, number one overall. Offensive line sucked through 28 interceptions his first season. Nearly got his head taken off. Jeff George, when he was the number one pick, p- practically did get his head taken off. I don't think he was a, he the same ever after that season. Andrew Luck. And th- these are just the Colts. Okay? <laughs> this is the Colts that I'm talking about here. Other number one picks, David Carr, you know, the likes, top high first round draft picks, all went to teams with bad offensive lines. There's a reason why those teams are picking first. Because the offensive lines are terrible. Lesson learned, folks. Build your offensive line. Okay? So, back to Trevor Lawrence. Gets sacked and fumbles on his very first snap in the NFL. (laughs) I was like, yep, there it is. That's what I expected to see. That's what I'm here to see. The Jacksonville offensive line getting this young man killed. Losing the ball. Um... They didn't score any points in his two drives. Um, made some okay decisions here and there. Got bailed out on a nice throw and catch. Marvin Jones. Look, Marvin Jones is a, is a really good player, one of the more underrated wide receivers in the league. Went up and made a really nice play on a ball on a third down play from from Trevor Lawrence. Got him a 35-yard uh, gain on that one. He completed three of his four passes into tight windows. Were basically like, you know, threading the needle into places where only the brave dare to go. Was three of four on those types of passes, which is great. You know, you want to you want to see quarterbacks pushing the envelope a little bit, especially in the position that, that Trevor Lawrence is in. He's obviously got to get rid of the ball, too. Um, I thought he looked okay. Again, how good was he going to look playing for a team like Jacksonville? They have very little talent on that team. The offensive line stinks. Uh, they've got one guy that can catch a ball, you know, on a regular basis, a, a consistent ball catcher. They're not a very good running team. So this is going to be – it's a struggle city. But anyone, and I mean anyone, who thinks Gardner Minshew is going to start week one and be QB one for the Jacksonville Jaguars is a fool or a, a mustache-growing Gardner Minshew fan themselves, fanboy, whatever. <laughs> as I As I said last week – after after we heard Urban Meyer say, "Wow, well, it's an open competition for QB1, B.S. Urban Meyer did not come out of retirement to coach Gardner Minshew in the NFL. The reason that he went with Jacksonville, the reason that he bided his time in retirement doing analyst work, helping out Ohio State, things like that as a a consultant for the last few years because he was biding his time to see which team it was going to be that picked first in the 2021 NFL Draft so he can come out of retirement and coach Trevor Lawrence. That's all he's wanted to do for the last three years. (laughs) Trevor Lawrence is day one QB1, period. The, The Jets played the Giants in a game and it was first of all, it was a horrible football game. I mean, it just just an awful, awful football game, and many preseason games are that's not what i'm looking for. Um, it was difficult to watch at times, but i was watching I was watching both quarterbacks I was watching both uh you know for you know what Danny dimes was going to do, and uh, also what Zach Wilson did now Zach Wilson, I thought he played better than I expected. if you were to ask me you know after the draft or whatever, or even just a week ago who I felt was the quarterback that had the biggest probability for a bust, for the bust label. You have him every year. It happens. I would have said Zach Wilson because he was taken number two overall, right? Taken into a situation in New York where they don't have any offensive help. It's going to be one of the worst offenses in the NFL this year, regardless of who the quarterback is. I thought he played well. He looked good. Zach Wilson, the reports out of camp were that, mm, He's underwhelming and he's cocky and he's little and (laughs) that there may be some sentiments that maybe some players didn't like him very much, but I'll tell you this. He got on the field uh, over the weekend and did some things uh, like showed, showed that he can play uh, at least in a, in a preseason situation. Again, we're going to take this with a grain of salt. I wanted to see, what tendencies were from the quarterbacks. I wanted to see what their arms looked like. I wanted to see also the athletic quarterbacks to see what their speed looked like compared to the defensive players on the field. We all know how fast defenses are in the NFL. I wanted to see what their speed looked like, and we'll get to that in just a moment because one of the guys really showed some speed. Zach Wilson looked really good. His arm talent looked good. I didn't think he had that kind of zip on his fastball. Uh, tight spirals. We're in good spots. He went six of nine, sixty-three yards. Didn't score, but again, uh, you know, nothing that's gonna that's gonna drop your jaw. There's nothing there that was gonna be like, oh wow, like happened in San Francisco. But uh, I thought I thought I thought he played well. He played better than I expected him to. We will absolutely put it that way. I was expecting the worst out of out of uh, Zach Wilson, and I think he probably impressed me the most. Out of, uh, out of any rookie I saw this weekend. Speaking of impressive debuts, Trey Lance, quarterback, number three overall pick in the San Francisco 49ers. Okay, we, we know this. I am an unabashed 49ers fan. That's just something you're going to have to deal with. I do my best to make sure that I'm impartial and try to have some fun uh, in light of all that. But what we saw from, from Trey Lance was both really good and there was some really bad as well. Um, the one thing that I think we have to take away from this, everybody's seen the 81-yard touchdown pass, okay? If you, if you, unless you were living under a rock this weekend, you saw Trey Lance's 81-yard touchdown pass, where he rolled out left, set up, was able to throw a bomb downfield, show off that arm, uh, a little bit of a wobbly ball, but he threw across the field 49 yards vertical and another 11 yards horizontal. That's a 60-yard pass, folks. 60 yards in the air, in a wobble, okay, and hit uh, wide receiver Trent Shurfield on the run. He threw him open, essentially. Shurfield was going to settle towards the sideline, and Trey Lance threw it upfield, and Shurfield got a touchdown out of it. It was a scheme play. It was a play that was schemed that way. I, I It wasn't anything special that Trey Lance did, except for the delivery of the football. It was, for the most part, on target. He threw his target open. I felt like the DB made a bad read on that particular ball which got him out of position and was able to get Shurfield behind him and for a touchdown. That was a great play. Another play that that Trey Lance made was out of the end zone where he was able to get a, t- a tight end iso and the linebacker fell down and the, the I mean the tight end was wide open and he drilled him. He drilled him with the ball. And was able to uh, able to get a first down, get him out of harm's way. Those were some of the good things that we saw to Trey Lance. Some of the bad things, he almost threw two picks and he also fumbled on a, on a sack. He got sacked four times, holding on to the ball a lot. He also did not run the ball at all. and I know that, that the head coach Kyle Shanahan mentioned that before the game and after the game. We're not going to have him out there running around. He just if he takes a sack, we know we, he knows to fall down, we're not going to get him hurt. Now one of the things we have to remember with Trey Lance is because of the scheduling with the FCS and the FBS, okay? It's been 315 days since he was on a football field in a in a live live action type of setting. That's almost a full calendar year. There was a lot of rust. You could tell. There was a lot of rust. So we'll see what looks what they look like next week uh as they uh they get ready for the Chargers. They have a, they, The 49ers and the Chargers are having a joint practice this week, which is, uh, I like the joint practices. I think they're, I think they're great uh, for evaluation purposes. They're also great for, for television cameras. There's always fights, so uh, that'll be good to see. There's a lot of joint practices going on this week. We'll talk about that uh, as we get throughout the week. Now, the one player who really, really turned some heads over the weekend, Justin Fields quarterback, rookie quarterback of the Chicago Bears out of Ohio State. What did I see out of Justin Fields that maybe others may be overlooking? We'll talk about that next. You're listening here to the Jeff Dean Show on 1490 AM, 104.9 FM, ESPN Tucson.
0: Now back to the Jeff Dean Show on 1490 AM, 104.9 FM, ESPN Tucson.
1: Don't miss NFL Cover 2 every weekday right here on ESPN Tucson. It's brought to you by Barrio Brewing Company. Barrio Brewing Company, Arizona's oldest brewery, celebrating 30 years of brewing for Arizona. Delicious Barrio Brewing Company, and uh, enjoy their beer, enjoy their food, enjoy the atmosphere, and uh, it's a great place to be. The The takeaway from some of the quarterbacks, the rookie quarterbacks, I, I'm, I'm saving the the two best, or the, I think the two most important ones for last. Okay, Trevor Lawrence, we know what we're going to get out of Jacksonville this year. They're going to suck. Trevor Lawrence is going to have some struggles this year. Hopefully he's able to stay healthy and play all 17 games because that's you don't want anybody to get hurt. Okay, Zach Wilson, I thought, surprised me, but we'll see. The Jets are still going to suck. Trey Lance is not going to be the day one starter for the 49ers. Kyle Shanahan is going to start Jimmy Garoppolo. They're going to have Trey Lance in the mix for certain play packages, and he's going to play this year. But he's not going to be QB1. The 49ers have way too much on the line to trust it to a quarterback who hasn't played a snap in the NFL, especially when compared to a quarterback who's 15 games over 500 as your starter. Okay, That's my three takeaways from from those situations. Wanted to talk about the quarterback specifically. But the two where it really matters, and one technically isn't a rookie, but I'll tell you why he is in just a minute. But I want to start in Chicago. We saw the Chicago Bears and the Miami Dolphins play over the weekend, and Justin Fields, rookie quarterback from Ohio State, <laughs> it didn't start well, okay? Let's just, let's just start there. It did not start well. Somebody had hit me up over the weekend. They're like, oh, Justin Fields' take was terrible. Okay, first of all, <laughs> he almost turned the ball over three times on his first series, almost had two picks and a fumble on his first series, three plays, three near turnovers. Okay. Oh, that was a close one. Oh, that was a close one. Oh, pick up the ball. <laughs> okay. Didn't start well. After that, he was he was fantastic. He was really really good, and I'll tell you why he was really good, because he's the most athletic person on the field. <laughs> I watched him in that game. I rewatched some of his highlights, and you watch on some of the big plays that were made. For the Bears, he had 142 passing yards and 33 rushing yards, by the way. Scored a touchdown through the air and a touchdown on the ground. The reason he was able to do those types of things is because he's like maybe the fastest guy on the field at any given time. I think I heard during the broadcast that he's the third fastest player on the Chicago Bears team. He has incredible speed. He's able to turn it on. He's able to switch. He's able to pivot. He's able to turn, stop. He can do all the things. He's like, he's like a running back out there. It's like, it's like, it's almost like watching Michael Vick, except just without the reckless abandon that Michael Vick had. I mean, Vick was just straight line, blinding speed, and could dance, and you know he was uh, low center of gravity, all these things. Justin Fields looks like a quarterback out there, who if you blink, he's gone. I, I, I was, I was firmly impressed with just how athletic he looked at the position. And I watched him all season at Ohio State last year. I thought he got away with a lot of bad decisions because, look, they were the best team on the field every game they played except the last one. That's, that's the true story. And Justin Fields even was admonished in some, in some places by his coaches and some of, the, uh, some of the analysts out there for being a poor decision maker. That was, the, that was the knock on him coming out of Ohio State. Can't, doesn't make great decisions, regardless of if he gets rid of the ball too early or if he hangs onto it too long. If he decides to run, it's in the wrong position. If he, doesn't, if he decides not to run, it's in the wrong, wrong position. He basically, all the decisions he made were wrong, except that they won a ton of games, they scored a ton of points, and his numbers were outrageous. So if the kid is doing all these things wrong, how is everything going so right? And you saw what happened uh, in the game. If you watch the game, you know why. Because his athleticism is just uh, its off the charts. And it's not just his legs. He's got great arm talent. He can throw off his back foot. He can throw on the run. He can throw across his body. He can step up into the pocket and throw the ball downfield. hes He, he looked really, really good. And I know some of you are sitting there saying it was a good second – Oh, I hate that. I hate that so much. Almost just cussed there. (laughs) Almost just dropped an F-bomb there. I hate hearing that so much. Let me tell you why I hate hearing. It was against second and third stringers. Okay, sure. Do you expect him not to perform against those guys? Do you expect it? What if if he came out and was just like, you know, very, very average? Oh, well, you know, he's young. Look, I can't stand to hear that. Look, he's also out there with second and third stringers. And – a lot of these players themselves are second and third stringers. The quarterbacks we're talking about, they went against second and third stringers. So what? You know how difficult it is to play in the NFL? There's 2,500 guys, 2,500 professional football players getting paid to play the game. They're the elite of the elite. They were the best players in their, at, their, at, their, at their college. And the, weir- the weirdest thing about it is, is that half of the damn league was undrafted. There's a lot of great players out there. So don't give me that crap about, oh, he's playing against second and third stringers. He's supposed to look good. He did look good. You want to look bad? If he didn't look bad, if, if he didn't look good, that would be even more telling than if he did look good. I, I can't stand the playing against second and third stringers garbage. I hate that argument. I hate it. They're professionals. They're all fighting for a job. They're all out there playing hard. So Justin Fields, I thought looked really, really good. And again, it wasn't about it wasn't about the numbers. I couldn't care less what their what their statistics say. It was watching him on the field. It's very apparent that he's going to be QB one. He should be QB one for Matt Nagy in that offense. Andy Dalton should just hand him the football now and go sit down, get a pick up a clipboard, and be the best teammate that he can possibly be. And then the Chicago Bears need to go out and they need to find a, a dance partner to trade Nick Foles away because. Nick Foles will never get on the field. He needs to go somewhere that he can play. Nick Foles will be the third-string quarterback on this team. Uh, We knew that all along. But Justin Fields needs to be QB1. And here's – look, this is the the ultimate reason why. Yes, the Chicago Bears' offensive line stinks. Justin Fields has the athleticism, the quick-twitch athleticism to get out of those types of problems. But – I think just based on what we know about the history of Andy Dalton, right? It's it's a foregone conclusion that Justin Fields is going to be the starting quarterback at some point in time this season in Chicago. Why not week one? Why not just hand the ball to that young man and say, take us as far as you can get us this year. Do the best you can. We're going we're gonna to keep you upright in the pocket. Continue to make plays for us. We're going to win some football games. Maybe get into a wild card. We're not going to beat the Packers this year, okay? Maybe Minnesota has an off year, you know. Mike Zimmer finally gets fired or whatever, and you can get into a wild card spot with Justin Fields as your quarterback. But I'll tell you this right now: uh, the NFL had better be ready for him. He is—he's good. He's real good. I was very impressed. And again, it was just the sheer athleticism that I saw out there. He was faster than 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 I thought. He was faster than everybody. And I thought his his quote after the game during the presser was spot on. When they asked him about you know, the speed of the game, he goes it's actually it was, it was slower than I thought it would be. You can see just how level the playing field becomes when he goes out there. Everything slows down. He's able to work at his own pace. That's so important for a quarterback. And I, I really liked what I saw at Justin Fields. He's in a good situation in Chicago. He's got a good head coach. They need to start him right away. I think it's a good situation for him. Finally, the final rookie quarterback, and again, he's not technically a rookie, but, okay, Jordan Love for the Green Bay Packers. In his second season, okay, they drafted, obviously, we all know the saga that's been going on there, the quarterback position. Didn't – there was no preseason last year because of COVID, right? So he didn't play. He did not even dress for a single game during the regular season last year. So he wasn't taking reps. He wasn't dressed. He wasn't even – Throwing the football on the sideline to the punter, okay, he's a rookie quarterback. He got in the game, uh, you know. He got in the game over the weekend, and I'm just going to be honest. He was terrible. He was awful. Uh, again, just didn't didn't you know? Okay, let's let me let me let me put it. Let me back up a little bit here. He wasn't awful. He had, the one, he had one good drive, okay, where he was perfect, six for six, drove the team down um, through a screen pass that went for 22 yards and a touchdown, okay? Of the, of the total yardage that he threw the football, of those, you know, 89 yards or whatever that the, 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 the drive was uh, that it encompassed, I think he threw the ball like 13 yards forward the entire time. Everything else was like screen plays, dump-offs, things like that. So I won't say it was terrible, okay? But the other series that he was out there, they got 26 yards on 18 plays. He fumbled. He threw the balls into – he threw footballs into coverage. He sailed uh, some passes over 10 feet over players. Like it, was, it was not good. And I'll tell you what was even worse, the body language on the sideline. Comes off, he's kicking rocks, he drops his helmet, Things did optically did not look good for Jordan Love and the Packers. And you know who I blame? I blame Aaron Rodgers. He has caused this. And it's – look, Aaron, Rod- Aaron Rodgers doesn't owe Jordan Love anything. doesn't owe him anything. The same way that Brett Favre didn't owe Aaron Rodgers anything when he came into the league with the Packers. It owes him nothing. He's, not, he's there trying to get your job. Okay, You compete against that guy. You need to make sure that he doesn't take your job. I get it. And he's not going to. Okay? Uh, but Aaron Rodgers doesn't owe, him, doesn't owe him anything. But he's certainly not doing him any favors. With this you know, dog and pony show that that Aaron Rodgers is pulling in the offseason, oh, I'm not going to show up or trade me or whatever. I have problems with the front office, blah, 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 blah. We've all we we've, we've talked about this a, a ton. Jordan Love has gone through this emotional roller coaster. Maybe I'm going to be the starter. I might be the starter if Aaron doesn't show up. We don't know. Has anybody talked to Aaron? I'm sure he's being asked by everybody around. Did you talk to Aaron Rodgers? No. Why would I talk to Aaron Rodgers? You do not want to talk to me it's been a an absolute emotional roller coaster. He has been able to focus that much less on improving his game because of everything that's been going on. This this Will Aaron Rodgers report to camp saga. Oh my god, what are they going to do if they hand the ball over to Jordan Love? He hears those things. Players hear that stuff. They trust me, if if a player says I don't listen to that, I don't read the newspaper whatever, they're lying. They're lying. They hear all that stuff. They know all that stuff. Everybody, people tell them this stuff. So Aaron Rodgers has done Jordan Love zero favors with this. And I'll tell you right now, Packers are in trouble. Not this year. They're not in trouble this year. Aaron Rodgers is going to play for them. Devontae Adams is going to play. They're one of the best teams in the NFC, one of the best teams in the NFL. Not in trouble this year. They're going to trade Aaron Rodgers in the offseason. He's gone. Devontae Adams, if you know, whatever happens with him, if he's unhappy, he doesn't show up or whatever, he may be gone. You're going to have to turn the ball over to Jordan Love, who has basically spent the first two seasons on a roller coaster ride with your organization. He's unhappy, and he goes out there and gets his first chance and looks bad. Looked bad. Had one good scoring drive thanks to getting the ball in the hands of his playmakers, which he's supposed to do but did not look good throughout the the overall makeup of his performance. So it'll be interesting to keep an eye on what happens with the Packers. Do they take note of that and start maybe looking for another quarterback or something? I don't know. They're fine for right now, but things may be real bad in, uh, in Green Bay coming up after this season. Unless, of course, they can get a really nice dance partner to do some trading with them, which could happen also. 1490 AM and 104.9 FM, ESPN Tucson and Tucson Alliance, uh, Tucson Appliance Alliance. We've made an alliance with Tucson Appliance. Is looking for the next big radio star, and it could be you. If you think you've got what it takes to be on the air doing what we do, submit a video, sixty seconds or less. Make sure you follow the rules; that's very important. Okay, that's step one. Showing us uh, what you can do. Get your video to espntucson.com. Your video may even get played during the Spears and Ali show. Afternoons from 3 to 6, the grand prize winner will be a weekly phone guest during a segment of Spears and Ali. You can talk NFL, college, whatever you want to talk. The voting starts on August 27th, which means you got about 10 days to get your uh, you know, submit your, uh, your video to ESPNTucson.com. A star is born on ESPN Tucson, brought to you by Tucson Appliance, only at Tucson Appliance, where our low prices are your priority. More after this, it's the Jeff Dean Show on ESPN Tucson.
0: Back to the Jeff Dean Show on 1490 AM, 1049
1: FM, ESPN Tucson. Just want to do some some memories here. September 25th, 1993, number 14 ranked Arizona Wildcats taking on the Oregon State Beavers up in Corvallis. Arizona ended up winning that game 33 <clears throat> nothing. The one thing that I remember most about that game, though, uh, Brandon Sanders just just retweeted it, uh, some highlights of Onawan Carter just running all over the place. Uh, the one thing that I remember most about that game is, so Oregon State ran the triple option that year. They, they, they threw like one pass, maybe two passes a game. Uh, so we knew that it was going to be an issue for, for Oregon State to try to win that football game because, of course, Arizona's defense was was so good. they hadn't They hadn't allowed a rushing touchdown at all that season when they played that game, and I think teams were averaging like 1.6 yards per carry against Arizona's defense that year at the time. It was ridiculous. The one thing I remember, I remember I was listening to that game on the radio, and the statistic that came out was that at some point in that game – Oregon State had run the football 50 times for four yards. And I had to stop. I was like, wait, what? They've ran the ball 50 times, and they have four yards rushing? Four. Triple option team. 50 carries for four yards. Those were the good old days, huh? Oh, man. That was fun stuff. Maybe someday we'll get back there again. Obviously, the landscape of college football is totally different. Defenses don't do that anymore. Offenses just don't allow it. Offenses just way ahead of defense right now in college football, and I think it's going to be that way for for uh, probably forever. That's where a lot of the talent is going now. Certain, obviously, certain schools are are putting their you know, their efforts into recruiting defense better, and uh, Arizona certainly has, and they will certainly continue to uh, to do that. Of course, with Don Brown, the defensive coordinator, and plenty of the uh, the guys on the defensive side of the ball that they've hired to be, uh, you know, part of the staff. So they'll continue to recruit the defensive side of the ball. But uh, offense is king right now in college football, and I don't think we'll ever see anything like that again. So uh, reminisce and enjoy the past all you want. It's not going to happen. Uh, you know, if we, if we if we do have something that looks like the Desert Swarm defense of, of yesteryear, uh, it'll be to the tune of, you know, allowing... 18 points a game and you know under 100 yards rushing every single game because it's not going to be as dominant as it was and was it's just not the way it is. Um, real quick before we we jump off of uh, off of NFL and uh, into some of the other things before we get out of here, <laughs> I I appreciate the sentiment of Urban Meyer bringing in Tim Tebow his buddy to be part of that football program there at Jacksonville that experiment slash charity case slash you know buddy system, whatever it was, uh, that experiment needs to end right now. It needs to be over. He is out of his league when it comes to playing on an NFL football field. He's a thirty three year old retired minor league baseball player at this point, trying to pick up a position that he's never played before. And it showed over the weekend. In the 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 highlighters, whatever you you want to call them, low-light reels, they're out there of him trying to block linebackers and defensive linemen. It's not working. And they tried to throw a pass to him, and I I can't remember where the receiver was, stepped in front of him and caught the ball. They were trying to get the the crowd in Jacksonville to get all fired up, and I'm sure Urban was upset about it, and I'm sure they talked about it on the sideline. Hey, that, that play was for Tebow. What are you doing in that area? You stepped in front of the the pass and took the ball away from him. Urban Meyer is is look, he's loyal to people and I'm sure that that Tim Tebow is very very high on his list of people he needs to be loyal to. I was watching some some college football reruns over the last week and one of them was the uh the the Florida Alabama game, number 1 versus number 2 with Tim Tebow a quarterback. It is a phenomenal football game, but you know, Urban Meyer certainly has reasons to be loyal to Tim Tebow. But if he's going to be any kind, taken any kind of seriously in the NFL, he will cut Tim Tebow at the first, the first moment. I, I, I understand Tebow is a good guy to have in the locker room. Hire him as an assistant then. Don't let him wear a number in this, in this league. It's a joke. It's ridiculous. He's terrible. He's embarrassing himself out there. He needs to be, it, it needs to be over. This experiment needs to be over. A couple other things that I pointed out on Twitter over the weekend: rules changes from the NFL. One of them featured a, a former Wildcat, okay, Will Parks, who's now playing for a uh, for a job in Kansas City, playing against the Niners over the weekend. And one of the new rules in the NFL is if if an offensive lineman is blocking downfield or outside of. A, a, an area of five yards extending from the tackle box, okay? So if a, if an offensive lineman is downfield, let's say more than three yards upfield or downfield, whatever you want to, whatever side of the ball that you're on, you can't attack their legs, okay? If an offensive lineman is five yards extended, outside of five yards extended from the tackle box, so you, you have the line of scrimmage, the hash marks, all that kind of stuff, depending on where you're at, five yards beyond the last point of tackle, okay, you can't attack their legs. So, for instance, on a screen play, offensive lineman goes rolling out. Tackle goes rolling out, ready to block somebody out there in front of the screen. Okay, If you try to fight through that block, if you go below the waist, you're going to be flagged for a penalty. Will Parks was the subject of one such penalty in this game uh, over the weekend. 49ers through a screen play. Offensive lineman goes running out to block. Will Parks, who is a very physical defender we know that okay plays the run extremely well that's why he's in Kansas City he's a guy that can go out there play sideline to sideline plays well against the run he's a big hitter goes out tries to make a play to blow up the screen is goes low to try to attack the legs of the running back who's receiving the ball but the lineman basically just squashes him he falls on him he he leans over falls down trying to make the block that's what we we see it happen all the time lineman just Try to put their fatness on you. That's what we do, okay? Use our leverage. Put our fatness on you. Make the block. Everything's good. Will Parks was flagged because as he was trying to fight through the block to make the tackle, ended up going through the offensive tackle's legs. I understand, I understand why the NFL wants to do this. They're trying to protect offensive linemen. There have been some injuries over the years of players going through the knees of offensive tackles and yes, we're big guys and we wear big huge braces on our legs, but we're not indestructible. Knees are weak, we know that, okay? Uh if you attack through a, a, a leg through the knee joint of someone, there's a high high potential for for injury there. So I understand why the NFL instituted this particular rule, but how in the hell is Will Parks supposed to make that play? According to Tim Ryan, the analyst on the broadcast, apparently and Tim Ryan is a defensive player, the former linebacker. According to Tim Ryan, you're supposed to just get out of the way. So imagine, okay, imagine Will Parks being of sound mind and body, being a- aware of this new rule change in the NFL. He's going to attack this screen. All of a sudden, the back of his mind remembers, I can't go through the offensive lineman's legs. Okay, well, here comes the play. Ball has been delivered. Running back has the ball. Lineman's getting ready to squash down on me, and he rolls out of the way. Can you imagine how that would look on tape? He'd be cut before he hit the sideline. What in the hell was he supposed to do in that, particular part, in that particular play? Pardon me. I'm getting all worked up here. Look, as 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 a, as a, as someone who played the offensive line, I'm all for protecting the big guys. Okay, they don't get enough. They don't get enough protection out there. There's plenty of plays that happen, leg whips, double teams, crack blocks, things like that, that, that need, to be, need to be adjudicated. This is a situation where I don't know what the defender should have done. It happened to be Will Parks, former Wildcat, uh, hard-nosed player, good guy. And I know that he didn't try to hurt anybody. He, he actually made the tackle. He tripped up the running back, but he got flagged for a penalty on that. I, I just I don't agree with that. And then also another egregious penalty, and we're going to see it all year. This is going to be a problem. Fans are going to hate it. Fans are going to be bemoaning this from day one. We saw it in the Colts game. I can't remember the name of the running back. Had himself a nice run, basically carrying tacklers and defenders 10 yards down the field. I mean, he he carried like an entire team down the field. Like one of those those really awe-inspiring runs. You see, you're like, damn. Things that Marshawn Lynch would do back in the day, right? Gets up, spins the ball, flexes as he's turning around to walk back to the huddle, and he gets flagged for taunting. Give me a break. God, this league is doing – there are other leagues out there trying to do things to promote individuality of its players. The NFL is doing whatever it can to squash that. The No Fun League. Get ready for it, folks. It's here in 2021. Flags everywhere. Let's just have a a, a penalty flag parade. There's going to be laundry all over the damn field. It's going to slow the games down. The games are going to go for four hours, and fans are going to lose their minds. Too many rule changes. Too many judgment calls being put on the officials out there. Stop. Stop it. Let them play. All right, we're going to come back for the final segment. Today's edition of the Jeff Dean Show. Put a a big bright red shiny bow on today's edition. Right back here on 1490 AM, 104.9 FM, ESPN Tucson.
0: More of the Jeff Dean Show on 1490 AM, 104.9 FM, ESPN Tucson.
1: Final segment, today's edition of the Jeff Dean Show. I'm going to talk a little bit about some NASCAR here real quick. Every once in a while, I like to fit it in. <laughs> Normally, it's for big news. This time, I just, I just need to just lay waste to, to NASCAR for a moment here. I've grown up watching NASCAR. I covered NASCAR professionally for several years, traveled around, went to a lot of the racetracks, made a lot of friends, made a lot of contacts, had a good time, had a great time. In the heyday of NASCAR, stands were full of people, 85,000 strong, it was hard to get a ticket to any of the venues that were, that were having race day. And now it becomes what we saw yesterday at in Indianapolis Motor Speedway, the hollowed grounds of the Brickyard. It was the Brickyard 200. It was a road race, a road race that has been run by IndyCar, by F1, by, by MotoGP. They, they run races on that road course all the time. They're great races. There's, there's never problems. NASCAR goes out there and in one weekend destroys the track, demolishes about 30 cars. We got pictures and and video of cars going airborne because they can't keep the damn car on the track. And they're launching, launching themselves off of curb bumps, curb stops. In yesterday's race, the final 10 laps of the race took one hour and 52 minutes. I was watching it live. One hour and 52 minutes to finish the final 10 laps of that race because they hit everything on that track but the finish line. They just they destroyed the track. They destroyed the cars. They destroyed the, the barriers around the fence. It was a bleep show, to say the least. Now, it all takes away from A.J. Allmendinger, great guy, getting his second career win. I'm very happy for Dinger. Uh, and then they get a rookie. Denny Hamlin's winning, you know, taking the race. He's obviously got the best car out there. He's winning the drag race off of the restarts. He's first into the into the into every turn. He's tight. I mean, everything's good. A rookie decides to, I shouldn't say decides to, gets forced onto the grass. But instead of getting right back on, he decides to drive through the grass all the way to turn three, which is a problem. So he knew there was a penalty coming. He had to know. You don't take a shortcut like that and expect to just, eh, they're going to let me win this race, no problem. Knew the penalty was coming. What does he do? He drives Denny Hamlin off the off of the road course, spins him out. Denny Hamlin loses the race. AJ Allmendinger wins. It was it was an absolute bleep show for the entire hour and fifty two minutes. So much so that NBC, the national coverage of NBC, decided to boot NASCAR from the network in the middle of the of the final three laps of the race in lieu of amateur golf. That tells you where NASCAR has come. they got to clean it up. Things got to change here. All right, that's going to wrap things up for today's edition of the Jeff Dean Show. Congratulations to William Stone, the winner of our Gabriel Iglesias tickets. We'll have some more for that tomorrow. And, of course, thank you to Mary for all her hard work on the board, keeping us on the air, pushing all the right buttons. Stay tuned for Spears and Ali coming up at 3 o'clock. We'll see you guys tomorrow morning at 7 a.m. for another edition of the Jeff Dean Show right here on 1490 AM, 104.9 FM espn tucson
0: thanks for listening to the jeff dean show tucson's only local morning sports talk show jeff will be back tomorrow morning at 7 on espn tucson from the casino del sol studio the soul of tucson this is espn tucson 1490 kffn am tucson kmxc hd for tucson